Hey, everybody. How we doing? My name is Jacob, and welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. Today's episode, we will be diving into some news, as we do on all of our podcast episodes. I'm joined here by our amazing co-host, Ryan Hebert. Ryan, how you doing? Doing well, Jacob. Thank you so much for doing the intro today. I just couldn't, for the life of me, do it. Uh, here, here's a shortcut of me try- attempting, attempting to say the intro. Hi, uh, no, it sounded okay, <laughs> and I was like, I'm leaving out words here. How we doing? And welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast, brought to you by Zen Sports. Uh, today we have a How we doing? And welcome back to Esports Forever podcast here, brought to you by Zen Sports. What is going on? You want me to do it? You want me to try? <laughs> And now that we're back from that cut, um, let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. So as you may know, or you may not, the sponsor of everything Zen Sports, whether that be tournaments, whether that be podcasts, whether that be anything, uh, is is EMP Money. Uh, EMP Money is awesome. I'm actually looking at it right now. Uh, and that's kind of a common thing when I'm not actually doing work. I'm just looking at EMP Money because it's so much fun. It's so interesting. You learn so much every day. EMP Money is a crypto staking platform built on the Binance Smart Chain. They have the EMP token, which pegs to Ethereum at a 4,000 to 1 ratio. And there are numerous ways that you can stake either your EMP and ETH, uh, either your BNB and eShares. There's so much kind of variability in the program. It's so much fun. They have the detonator, which is like a daily lottery. They just added uh, a bunch of new charts. They just added a EMP Academy that allows you to learn about Everything in the EMP ecosystem I'm seeing here, they have over 6 million total value locked, which is a lot. That's just about as high as I've ever seen it for them. So the, the protocol, the staking protocol is going great. Uh, you can basically you know, check it out. You just go to emp.money. We are actually going to give away a few EMP tokens on today's podcast. So if you know, you're interested in crypto staking, you should check it out. Thank you so much, Jacob, and a big shout out to EMP.money. Folks, go check it out. A lot of cool stuff happening over there. Now, starting off today, I think the biggest news in esports has to be with none other than FaZe Clan. We've brought up FaZe Clan in the past before, Jacob, but I don't think it's anything, anything on the level of this. So at at the most recent Super Bowl, Snoop Dogg was spotted wearing a blinged out FaZe Clan chain. There was nothing thought of it other than, hey... He's repping a FaZe Clan chain. No problem, right? Well, uh, yesterday, FaZe Clan drops the video that Snoop Dogg is officially a content creator and on the board at FaZe Clan. This is <laughs> this is a revolutionary step for not only Snoop Dogg, but really for an esports org to have a star this big join up with them. And it really just shows you how much esports has been growing, how, how pop stars are embracing I mean, I wouldn't call Snoop Dogg a pop star necessarily, but, uh, you know, you, you've got people as big as Snoop Dogg, right, noticing the power, the brand, and the identity behind one of the top esport orgs and also just, like, influencer orgs in the country, especially for the U.S. right now. And so this is this is a big deal. The the video is hilarious. Uh, there's all different sorts of cuts, although I got to say, if you Google Snoop Dogg stream... Um, there's a clip of him going off on COD. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, there's a clip of him going off on COD, right? He's like popping headshots left and right, and then he gets hit. And he goes, you know, it's just the F word, <laughs> right? He just pops it off. Um, and it's it's just hilarious. It's it's so funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually thought Snoop was in phase during the Super Bowl. 
uh, I mean, they're around each other so much, right? Like, I mean, it, to me, I had already thought he was in. I know he wore the chain. I mean, Snoop Dogg's got it pretty good. I mean, he's uh, he's going to be a content creator, and he's on the board. Uh, you know, he's got a. Pre- I mean, he's got a pretty good with his music career. But you know what? Uh, on top of that, I guess. I guess he's got it pretty good too with FaZe. And I mean, I think FaZe has a pretty, pretty darn nice as well. I mean, Snoop Dogg was performing in that Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's, that's really huge. Okay. Can you imagine an org being like, yeah, we've got somebody on our board that just performed at the Super Bowl. No big deal. Like that, that's, that's pretty big. That's a pretty big mm-hmm. deal. So, and especially for Snoop Dogg, you know, he's not a young guy anymore, but he's still with it when it comes to embracing everything that oh, yeah. is in pop, pop culture. And like, he just, he just knows what's popular and that's yeah, what so I love the most. Thinking about it. Is he the biggest person in days in terms of social media reach and following? Uh, you know, I haven't done my research into like all of face clan. It's possible, but I don't know. I don't know if he has that much reach. I mean, the dude has intense reach, but, and he's like one of the biggest people, but and I mean, if we're talking about followers for as like an influence, I mean, he may, but I feel like there's some other creators that may also be like, I know there's like a guy named Blaze, right? Blaze of, of FaZe Clan. Uh, I don't think he's as big as Snoop Dogg, though, right? You know, Snoop Dogg, in terms of being a, a cultural icon, I don't think they have anybody else, right? I, I don't think yeah. they do. I mean, I'm looking at creators. They have a good website now. They just redid it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Blaze is one of the OG guys. So they, uh, they have Lil Yachty. Um, you know, I wonder if Nick Mark, so they have offset. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's, there's quite a few musicians. Um, yeah, it looks like he's about it's, it's Snoop Dogg. It's, it's offset and it's Lil Yachty. Um, I know Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray was on here too. I don't see him though. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a big acquisition for phase. It's a big deal for Snoop. And for now it's, it looks like it's going to be going good. So I'm excited to see some of his streams in the future more. Cause I know he's so funny. He's so funny streaming, uh, just his personality in general. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. I thought, I thought it was fitting of like, what's the first thing we mentioned probably would, would be that. Now, in terms of esports and Axie, I actually wanted to bring up our, our our tournament this past weekend, the Axie Infinity Battle of the Guilds. Eight guilds in the a- Axie ecosystem battled it out with one uh, single winner at the end of it. So each guild put up eight players, 64 players total in the bracket, coming down to a member from the YGG Guild, Endar, correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, take took the win. And uh, this, you know, this event went, it went a long time, started at 8 p.m. Eastern. I And, you know, part of the time I was there, but most of the time Jacob was there for really a majority of this. And, you know, from time to time, I check in with you, Jacob. And I, you know, I'd be like, wow, this is still going. And it was like 1.30, almost 2 a.m. And I go, is this event still going? He goes, yeah, bro, it's crazy. I'm like, yeah, sounds about it sounds about it yeah. how was how was running that from your standpoint let me be you know, the interviewer to the interviewee how was running the battle of the guilds tournament so it was a, it was a lot of fun for sure it was awesome to see players that you know may not have been predicted to do super well so nadar i think is one of those right i got a list of basically the 12 best players in the tournament that we should follow on the stream and he wasn't in it he was you know, he wasn't in it. And I think that's awesome, right? That's like my favorite part of these tournaments is when people who play because they, they got in, you know, they, they're excited about it. They don't really expect to win. And then they do exactly that. Uh, so I was so happy with that. Nadar actually came back 
down 2-0 in the finals to win it 3-2. Uh, I will say about halfway through the tournament, I went through, I went, it, I basically hit a brick wall. Uh, I had to go basically walk outside and get a cup of coffee from 7-Eleven just to, to stay awake. It was wow. uh, probably about midnight, but, uh, you know, it was fun. It was a lot of work putting it together and organizing it. But I think it was it was it was awesome. You know, it was a great first Axie tournament. I think the whole battle of the guilds thing was really well received. How it was kind of inter guild competition, which is you know that's that's awesome because that was kind of a jump. Uh, you know, there hasn't been a tournament like this hosted, and we're going to do another one. Uh, that's certainly for sure. We're going to do something that's not entirely because it was it was the battle of the guilds, and it was sixty four players and eight from eight, eight from eight right eight players from eight guilds. But it was still basically a sing- single elimination, sixty-four player tournament. Yeah, uh, and and I want to see and explore if there are ways that we can do something where guilds can work together in some sense. Okay, right where you know maybe the guild can send axes only to other players within their own guild, um, or really anything. So I was brainstorming with a member of Swordfish Guild. I think his name is Hapan. I every time I see his Discord username, I think Harpoon. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, and we were just brainstorming back and forth. And, you know, I got to say, that's actually, I told him this, it's, it's one of the favorite, my favorite parts of this job is talking to players who want to see awesome and fun tournaments and basically bouncing ideas off of them, figuring out what's going to be fun. Uh, I used to do it so much in Splinterlands. Uh, so, you know, if anyone's watching this, who was one of those players that we basically talked endlessly about the best way to host these tournaments and, and the most fun way to do it. Um, it's, it's fun having that with, with Axie. Cause I think, you know, honestly with Axie, it's a little bit more of a live game, right. A more active game. So it allows us to do something a little more cool. Like one thing, me and I'm going to say Harpoon. I'm really sorry. Actually, I'll say it. Okay. Me and me and Harpoon, I'm still probably saying it wrong, but we talked about like a wild card where basically, you know, if you played your wild card, the opponent had to keep his axes set. Right, the game restarted. So if you play your wild card, the game restarts. Your opponent has to use the same lineup, but you can change your lineup. Okay. Right. So if we did this in Splinterlands, it would be completely overpowered, right? Because it, there's just counters, and you can't do anything after the game starts. But with Axie, there's a little bit more variability. So we thought this was an interesting idea. I'll have to see what we can find. We come up with in, in finalness for the the next battle of the guilds. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it was fun, and you know, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, it sounds like it was it was well received. I mean, you know, we did some math today about what the total viewership of that event was over the many different channels, and it easily easily surpassed uh, around twenty five thousand total views between vods, live streams, and everything in between. So, you know, we're not even counting the amount of marketing that we put into this thing for you know to just to see you know the type of reach that we could get talking about this. And I mean, there's nothing better than peer-to-peer conversation about stuff like this and you know some conversations we had with the axiopolis guild and attack on axie about what precedent this event sets for the axie community and for zen sports as a whole and i think we've set ourselves up for something very very special and so it's going to be a lot of fun to see the future of axie with zen sports uh, especially with uh our new play app that's going to be dropping pretty soon here uh, we haven't officially announced it on the Zen Sports Twitter because, well, it's actually in development and we are waiting for it to get approved. But uh, for those of you who are listening here first, there's going to be a complete uh, redevelop, like redesign and 
basically a completely new app for all the esports at Zen Sports. It's going to be super, super huge. It's it's one of the bigger things happening, and we'll we'll probably be talking about it early next week uh, when it comes out. So more news on that later. Uh, we will definitely tweet out about it when it goes live because uh, it's really going to be the next step for Zen Sports, making sure that our esports stuff isn't hidden below uh, some of the other layers of our sports bidding and uh, yeah, that sort of thing. So moving on from the Axie stuff, uh, Gamer Jai, if I was saying that correctly, an Indian tournament software hosting business is actually building out social features for a booming esports industry in India. No surprise here, Jacob. India houses uh, basically some of the, like the the most people in the world within like a single country with less geogra- geographical area than China. I mean, it, like there's there's over a billion people in India, right? And so it it just makes sense to me that you know if you're able to build a successful tournament operating software, which sounds like they have, uh, they raised uh, a bunch of money in their latest funding round, and be and because of that, they're like. Not only are we going to host tournaments, but we're just going to build out a whole social feature as well, which is bold. I think that's really bold to do. I feel like a lot of tournament software, as we look at Battlefy, we look at Challenge, these are huge tournament hosting websites. Hey, even Smash.gg, right? Huge sites for this. But you don't see them being on the scale of, I'm going to build out my own social because we've got Twitter, we've got Discord, we've got Facebook, we've got uh, Snapchat, Instagram, right? All these other devoted social platforms. Um, I don't think anything like this in America really could stand a chance. Even if Battlefy tried to have like, oh, you know, here's a timeline and friends and stuff like that. I don't think they could stand a chance next to the Giants within the U.S. But, I mean, he's here's Gamerjai, you know, building out, getting a funding round. Huge funding round, by the way. Um, it's, it's, it's really great potential for India, and I'm excited to see it happen. Yeah, this looks cool. It looks it looks like it's uh, an app where they basically host a lot of tournaments. <laughs> I read here it, they're hosting 200 tournaments a day, yeah, um, which is a lot. So I'm hoping they have some sort of automation uh, for that because I know doing one tournament <laughs> a week, if you don't have automation, it's it's pretty challenging. Um, so I actually I want to download the app and see what it's all about because this looks interesting. Well, if it's available here in the U.S., I definitely want to try it out as well because uh, I, I I want to see what it's all about. But uh, you know, I, w- I will say this too, Jacob. So my grandmother used to uh, she traveled to India more than eleven times. Uh, she passed away this this uh, this past January. She was an incredible woman. She was always traveling to India. Loved India. Loved the most rural places. Sometimes she'd go to the cities for festivals, whatever. She would then have people come over into the U.S. and stay with her. And from what I found, and, you know, I've heard this online, that mobile gaming, is like one of the biggest places for mobile gaming is in Asia, in China, and India more specifically. And this could not be more true. I think it was, I was probably 13 or 14 at the time, and there was another 13 or 14-year-old Indian boy uh, that was staying with my nana and his mom and his dad. And he introduced me to this, like, mobile shooter. I can't remember the name of it. You know, it was way back in the day. Like, the iPod Touch was in, like, a second or third generation at most. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, he, he was showing, showing it off to me. And I was like, wow, that looks like so much fun. Multiplayer shooter. He's like, yeah, mobile mobile games are, like, a lot of fun. And, you know, in the U.S. here, we're all, we're all so big on console games. And, obviously, now that we're in 2022 and... PCs are becoming more and more accessible. PC gaming's really big, but 
mobile gaming is where it's at because people around the world do not have the wealth that Americans have. You know, first world countries, Eurocentric countries, and then obviously like in uh, like uh, some some folks in India, Asia, Russia, like Japan. These are countries, and even some places in Africa too. These are places that can afford to have consoles, afford to have PCs, but not everyone can. And so what do you do? Well, obviously you need a you need some type of phone to be in con connection with people in the 21st century. And uh, it just makes sense that mobile gaming would be like the next biggest thing because all you need is your phone. That's it. That's that's all you need. And so it's a it's a huge market to build into, and especially if you're going to build an app that goes off of your phone to then play in tournaments on your phone. I mean, it just it makes sense. It makes sense to me. So I, all I'm saying is, is that this is it's a great idea. Other people, I'm sure, are doing it as well. But this one caught my eye. Esports Insider article. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Do we know if it's it's mobile focused games? That would make sense. Uh, you know, I that was just me taking a stab at it. I don't know for sure. It'd make a lot of sense if it did. I mean, you know, there are a lot of games out there right now that are are big. You know, Riot has released uh, League of Legends. Uh, uh, Wild Rift. Wild Rift, thank you. And that's had huge reach overseas. Wild uh, Rift has had huge reach. Um I know Do you know how popular Wild Rift is, like relative to League of Legends? Oh, extremely. Uh because really? it's mobile. It's because yeah. it's mobile. And you know, Red, Fortnite was all is also just as big on mobile, except mm -hmm. not on Apple devices, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, they actually they just got it back. I think you could play via a web browser or something. That's crazy. I you know, can you imagine like being Epic Games to say, yeah, we really we make enough money that we actually don't care about your app store. I feel like that's the first modern example I've seen of a game publisher being so big that they can just defy an entire app store that basically <laughs> controls like the mainstream uh, mobile market for for yeah. phones. I, I think, think you're that's right. You insane. actually you just reminded me of Kanye. Yeah, you said like uh, the. <laughs> Fortnite can just transcend like the industry standard of gaming and how Kanye is only releasing his new album on a $200 uh, bona fide Walkman. Yeah, which my um, brother got, by the way. <laughs> no my brother way. got the stem player. Yeah, we've got a stem player downstairs. Dude. So. I didn't even realize until like it came. He goes, yeah. I go, Reed, is, is this a stem player? He goes, yeah, bro. I got the stem player, bro. I go, why? Why did you get this? He goes, because I wanted to listen to Donda, bro. It's sick. And yeah. he's like, yo, me and my friends, like, we want to we wanna be able to, like, rap to this beat and take out the vocals, you know? And I'm like, okay. Like, I see I see the utility there. It's got some cool stuff to it. Yeah. You know, if it is, like, really easy to use your hands and just basically, you know, I, I, it's like it breaks the song into vocals, bass, drums. You know, I don't know too much about music. Mm -hmm. But it's cool if you're able to actually – you know, mess around with songs just by using your fingers on this little stem player. I mean, I, the more I read about it, the more I wanted to buy it. Um, I am a huge Kanye fan, so I will probably buy it. Um, well, just better like your move brother, quick, but... bro. I feel like this is like something that'll eventually sell out, and then once they do, the resale value on these is probably going to be huge. Yeah, they should come with an NFT. He missed that. <laughs> oh my goodness. He yeah, I I agree with you, but you know what? Yay, yay's not with it on that level. Okay, Jacob. So. The artist formerly known as Kanye West. Anyways, moving on here, I thought I think you you can explain this one a little bit better than me, Jacob. 
I thought this was pretty big coming from the fact that we are Zen Sports, a sports gambling site, diving into the NFT and uh, marketplace uh, sort of business. DraftKings becomes a polygon validator after the NFT marketplace on their app uh, marks in around $44 million in sales. So, uh, Jacob, maybe you can explain this a little bit more if, if you know about this. But uh, basically, DraftKings has formed a partnership with Polygon to be a, an official validator uh, because they launched an, an, an uh, NFT marketplace. Uh, one of the biggest collections they uh, have had on there is the Tom Brady collection. Uh, one of the most expensive NFTs that they've sold was an exclusive Tiger Woods NFT. Um, they've done some big, big sales in the NFT space. Um, but it, a polygon validator, do you know what that is or do you have any insight yeah. on that? Yeah, so, so basically DraftKings, they use, their, their NFT marketplace is built on polygon, Okay. right? And being a uh, validator, right? It means that they're going to own, I think it is a few nodes, right? And basically, you know, because they process so many transactions, because they are, are such a large user of the the polygon blockchain and and at any moment point an owner of so much of the funds on the blockchain they basically you know they have governance rights over the blockchain in a sense right because they have so much ownership over the actual chain through the you know owning the token uh controlling so or, or being the agent that enacts so many transactions right i think what this means is they're just basically gonna you know use their volume and, and use it as a, you know, use it to become a validator in kind of a secondhand fashion. Uh, I, I'm not incredibly well-versed on, on validating and, and all of that, but I do know it, it has something to do with the fact that they're doing really well with their NFT marketplace. They have enough volume to actually make a difference in the governance of the chain. Uh, and they're basically partnering with a company called Zero Dash, I think, Zero Hash to do so. Mm -hmm. um, so it's cool, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was, you know, newsworthy for us to bring up for the nft space but also similarly to this cvs has filed uh, a few trademarks uh, to get into <laughs> the virtual prescription uh gang i mean it's <laughs> i looked it yeah. up and you know it's this is something that we just are we're gonna keep seeing this you know big yeah. brands and companies getting into the metaverse with the nft related trademarks having to do with stuff that they do you know irl and it's just, it's no surprise. I mean, last week, last week we talked about how should your brand get into the NFT space? And here we are with a brand getting into the NFT space. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it makes sense. It's just, it's what it is. So it's, uh, I think yeah, to funny. me, yeah. to me, honestly, this is a little crazy, like virtual prescriptions. I mean, come on the placebo. It's, it's like, what do you prescribe a placebo effect? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's something like that although this next one jacob i love this so uh dailymail.co.uk so it's you know the site's like a new it's like a like a media news site right entertainment and stuff mm. I, I i i love the title of this one it's called young boy and his whale nft collection make a splash that's from me that's from me directly okay this young schoolboy, 12 years old, releases his own collection of, like, you know, whales, right? Pixelated whales. They're, like, green. They've got a hat. Like, one of them has, like, a pipe. I'm like, how does this 12-year-old know what a pipe is, bro? But, yo, listen, UK kids build different, I guess. Okay? This kid makes bank 750000 you know, uh, over uh, a small period of time. Um, and, you know, he, he's not old enough to, like, have some of the things that... Like you kind of need uh, to like 
to be doing what he's doing. So I'm sure he has some help from parents and stuff like that to, to help him out. But uh, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty incredible. Just, I've you know, you see these every once in a while, right, Jacob? You see when a particularly uh, average citizen in a country or wherever, you know, makes some type of very simple collection and it just goes viral. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, these look pretty cool to me. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty simple, which I think is good a lot of the time. You don't want to be doing way crazy too much. Uh, I like, I do like them, honestly, the the pink and purple backgrounds. You know, they're colorful, they're playful. Um, you know, I think it's kind of just, I wonder how long ago this was from, right? Is there any detail there? Because the I would say stuff. like a, a project like this is, it's kind of likely that this was a little bit ago. Um, well, so it's published article, on March 6th. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. You know, he basically did whatever he wanted to do. I think the last line of the paragraph is his parents talking about how they told him that if he did something, you know, that he loved, he would never have to work a day in your life. Um, and then they say, I'm so glad he took that advice. So I think it's it's great. You know, he, he sold the collection of 8,888 whales um, and they're looking to expand the franchise into comics and TV. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. If I tried to tell my mom, I wanted to start up an NFT collection, she'd, she'd tell me to, to be quiet and go do something else. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's the difference. It's the difference. Like I said, UK kids and parents built different, built different for sure. For sure. But okay. We we've had a, a few like, you know, funny articles here or, you know, articles revolving around brands and stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing in the crypto space, Jacob, has to be the executive branch, more specifically Joe Biden and his administration. Uh, they are really feeling the pressure of wanting to put on serious sanctions. In fact, I was reading an article yesterday how Russia has now become the top country in the world ever to have the most sanction, most sanctions placed on them uh, in history. And Iran was actually the country that had, you know, was standing in first place with that, that uh, not so uh, great record. Um, but <laughs> uh, it, it just goes to show that within uh, 11 days now of starting the war, Russia has single handedly given themselves the most sanctions in history against themselves. Um, and today, actually, the Biden administration taking another shot at their economy uh, and not accepting any Russian energy or oil being bought by the United States. And so this is a huge step. I mean, you know, uh, Joe Biden also came coming out today to say that the ruble is now worth less or about the same as an American penny. So <laughs> I need to do the research myself, look it up real quick, because I don't, you know, folks, always do your research, look stuff up, because it may not always be true what someone is saying on the television screen or in a video. But um, I do know that the Russian economy has felt a hit. And it's only a matter of time before it's going to feel it even more. I mean, we can feel it at the gas pumps. I Jacob, I don't know if you have a car down there in Miami. Um, and I don't know if you've had to fill up recently. But my goodness, I hope you I hope you don't. Because yeah. the, the gas prices, not only here, but around the world have been going up. I mean, in the past week, we've seen a 75 to 80 cent jump in gas prices. And so the executive branch is putting on, putting on the pressure with these sanctions. But the problem is, is that, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. The Russians still have access to money via decentralized crypto, and and so we're you know 
the executive branch wants to sign an executive order and what this is what the article says specifically it says this is from bloomberg it says the order will direct federal agencies to examine potential regulatory changes as well as the national security and economic impact of digital assets so you know a lot of people have been asking recently what does it mean for me and, and my taxes since it's tax season to have an nft which honestly jacob we should probably just have a whole episode on that. I think that'd be huge if we talked mm-hmm. about, and maybe maybe we have John on too to talk about, uh, you know, whatever we can kind of find out about, you know, taxes and and NFTs and stuff like that in crypto. Because last I checked, the government was treating crypto at least sort of like stocks, so short term and long term capital gains depending on how long you held and how how quickly you sold that sort of thing. But this is big. I mean. To have an executive, really a federal government of a country, stepping in to say, listen, we really need to look at some potential changes here on how stuff is being done, especially because the whole purpose of you know, crypto and, and NFTs and, and the space in general is to be decentralized. Well, Prince, it sounds pre- pretty centralized to me if you start having federal agencies getting involved, trying to regulate how the process should happen, should be that sort of thing. Yeah, it's a lot. So, yeah. So, I mean, they can do only so much, right? Because basically what these sites, let's take Coinbase, for example. I mean, Coinbase is just a UI design that allows people to easily, easily communicate with the blockchain, right? If you know how to code, you can basically communicate with the blockchain through code. Yeah. Right. You don't need uh, Coinbase. You don't need Bitfinex. Well, okay. You don't need Bitfinex. You don't need, you know, FTX or anything to access the blockchain, it makes it harder. And then, you know, and then on top of that, there are decentralized exchanges. I actually think decentralized exchanges can be controlled by the government as well, right? Because uh, PancakeSwap is still a company, right? They can still limit people who can use the site. Um, so it's interesting. I think it it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is really interesting stuff. How you know Russia has now turned to cryptocurrency. And Coinbase's CEO recently said, you know, I'm sorry, we're not restricting people from Russia from using our product because that's they need they need to eat, right? Just because Russia, the government of Russia is doing a horrible thing, does not mean the individuals who have lived there the whole life and have not really done anything wrong deserve to starve because the, the government has gone crazy. And I actually don't disagree with that. I th- I think it's per- personally reasonable for the, the CEO of Coinbase to say that. Um, but I think the whole notion of, you know, how much uh, how much control does the government and can the government have over crypto? Uh, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, we won't get too political here, Jacob, because, you know, that's part of my background, right? I love politics, love diving into that sort of stuff. You know, you have the citizens of Ukraine that are just being horribly punished by the Russian government, but not the Russian people. And so there's a huge difference there, right? But in the eyes of the world, if the citizens in one country are suffering at the hands of the government of another, um, you know, uh, a lot. The world is driven by religion, Jacob. Most of it is, right? And so, mm-hmm. an eye for an eye, and that that saying goes goes back to many different religions. It's not just Christianity and the Bible, but you know, a lot of a lot of you know religions go back to this. This idea of everything sort of being proportional in a way, um, you know, treat treat others as you want to be treated, right? 
Well, it's not like the Ukrainian government can just go into Russia, right, and start bombing towns and cities and stuff. That's not what that's not what they want to do. And obviously, you know, this war is a lot more complicated than what we're talking about and what we're saying. But at the end of the day, I think Coinbase being in the position that it's in, I think that's a perfect response from the CEO. You know, there's there's no reason why they should be shutting down to, to restrict the Russian people because the Russian people, uh, there are so many of them, they're not the ones that are in charge, it's the federal government. And once you're conscri conscripted into service uh, within that federal government, uh, your hands are tied. You're you're under contract. You know that's that's kind of how it works for most for most military agencies. At least it is in the U.S. And the U.S. military, I'm sure, is a little bit different than those overseas. So there's a lot more complicated stuff to this, uh, but it's it's not pretty. So for right now, the executive branch is only gonna be able to do so much, but they're gonna do what they can. So, you know, they're going to they're going to take every inch that they can with legal precedent uh, and they're going to try to set it because that's what they do. That's what the executive branch is for. It's there to set a president to enforce. It's not there to try to restrict. It's there to to try to see, OK, how much can we take? How much can we enforce? How can we help the people? And at the same time, how can we be hands off but still govern it's it's a tricky subject and republicans and democrats alike within the united states are always asking the question how much control should the government have over me and some people believe obviously that the sh the state should be independent of its people and the people independent of the state and some people believe no the state should be dependent on its people and the people should be dependent on the state you know, in, in some type of nice relationship. And so it, it's constantly in a ebb and flow. And it's, you know, every every government and every shift in politics is, is always kind of a turning of the pendulum. Well, a swinging of the pendulum, I should say, going back and forth between how much the government helps and doesn't help. So, yeah, a little little pol political lesson for everyone today <laughs> uh, watching and, and listening to us here. But uh, moving on here for our last few topics, Gary V. So Gary V, he's a big name in the NFT crypto space. He started out in the space really, I you know, watching his TikToks and videos on Instagram about going to yard sales, flipping stuff on eBay and Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. But in recent times, you know, Gary Vee is known for V Friends, his NFT project, which and his series one started out as really crappy looking drawings. And everyone was <laughs> like, Wow, these look horrible. But you know, <laughs> they, do. they they do. And the thing was, and this is what I did not know about, and I wish I did is that NFTs are not just the photo. There is the utility behind the NFTs, the community, the fact that I would be a part of an exclusive club and group that would kind of have an insider type of scoop with Gary V. And I'm like, yo, that's pretty sick. Wish I had, you know, kind of known about that and that that's what this sort of thing was getting into at the time, but you know, here we are now. But the big announcement with Gary V's V Friends is that their Series 2 is starting to premiere. They've, they're dropping info about it. So apparently, I've been seeing lots of tweets about this. If you minted one NFT in Series 1, you're getting five new NFTs in Series five, uh, Series 2. From what I've seen Whoa. people talking about, this is it is a big deal. And the glow up, if you guys haven't seen the glow up of the NFTs, so... Uh, one of the, there's a super rare NFT called a uh, bubblegum bubblegum cheetah, and it's a crappy looking cheetah or a bubblegum lemur. 
uh, a crappy looking lemur on like a, a bubblegum pink background and then all of a sudden it's been been com- uh, it's been completely revamped into a fully fully animated and it's not like it's not moving but it's like an animated great looking character that could be in something and it's like super rad super sick looking and it's like oh my god it was a uh, it was a hidden gem all along and so really these crappy crappy drawings we're really it, almost like it was sort of like a test, you know, back in elementary school when a teacher would be like, hey, fill out this test for me. And if you read all the rules first, you'd realize you didn't actually have to complete the test. Uh, if you if you read all the way down to the last rule, you know, the, the list of directions. Right. And so that's what it feels like to me. It's not a rug pull or anything. It's just like, yeah, if you didn't get in early. So now here's what they're going to look like now. And they look incredible. And I, I, I think it's hilarious. There's definitely still opportunity for people to buy into Series 2, although I have a feeling it's probably going to sell out pretty quickly. Um, I don't I don't think it's as exclusive anymore because, you know, more people are going to be joining in uh, with Series 2. So I feel like Series 1 was a really great time for people to get in, get close with Gary or his team, just the other people in general. But now I'm really curious about what it's going to be like to be a part of the Series 2 and, and the Series 1 together. You know, is that community going to be too big? Is that a thing in the in the NFT space, Jacob? Can a community be too big that, you know, all of these extra projects and everything, how much value do they really add besides taking time away from me getting to talk to Gary V? <laughs> you think the holders actually get to talk to Gary V? Uh, so I do know that the holders uh, are able to, you know, he'll he'll host like talkbacks and, and coffee houses and stuff like that with holders from time to time. I mean, think about it like this, right? His team is probably managing a huge Discord server for their community. He probably does, uh, you know, sp- uh, uh, stages within those Discord servers. So they're like a voice call, except they're like a Twitter space, uh, but they're just called Discord stages. If I had to guess, he obviously does a few of those, maybe hop into VCs once in a while. I have to imagine if you're a holder of V Friends, which is, has made him extremely rich, the trading volume on this project alone has been incredible. And so, yeah, uh, I, I think holders have been able to talk with Gary V. He owes it to his holders to talk with them because so, yeah, he's yeah. rich. I think he made a lot of money before V Friends. He um, did. He did. Like he was, he was a big, you know, early TikTok star, and you know, he was flipping stuff left and right, and he was helping with his parent. Like you know, his origin story is posted everywhere. He wants you to know that he started from nothing built up everything, wasted none of his time, and he is where he is today because of hard work, dedication, and uh, yeah, I mean, and that's true. I mean, I personally believe as well that you can get anywhere you want to go and can do anything you want to do. It just requires time, patience, and maybe a little bit of luck along the way as well. You know, some some people have more privilege than others to get to to, to a certain place faster, but every star sometimes has a reason why they're there. And, you know, when we're talking about pop culture and celebrities and stuff, usually a lot of the time some people get lucky or, you know, I always think about like Harrison Ford as a perfect example of never intended to be a, you know, a movie star whatsoever in his life. He was a contractor, never wanted to be an actor. But, you know, the one day he was doing contractor work on, you know, uh, George Lucas's house, uh, they were doing readings for the first movie of Star Wars. And, you know, they said, hey, we need an extra reader. Can you come read for us? And then they realized, oh, oh, my God, this guy would be perfect as Han Solo. And then all of a sudden, here's Harrison Ford decades later. You know, he still loves to do contract work. But my goodness, he's, he's made quite a bit of money off of what? 
Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and pretty much every other franchise that they just crazy. put his face on. Yeah, I don't know if you ever knew about that, but I did not. Yeah, know. that's you know that was the the start of uh, Harrison Ford Harrison Ford's career. It, you can actually Google it, and uh, George Lucas and folks will talk about it. he he talks about it too. He's talked about it in uh, various interviews about like how he how he got his start. Really, every time uh, Harrison Ford has a new movie out. They ask him the same question: How did you get? How did you get, start, uh, get started in acting? And he tells the same story every time. But it's it's really cool, really cool to hear. So yeah, it's great. So Gary V V Friends Series Two coming up. It's gonna be it's gonna be big. Last couple things here: uh, Adobe's Behance. So you know Adobe Adobe is a is a super giant of applications for designers, developers, and everything in between. Uh, they have added support for the Solana ecosystem, which is fantastic. Uh, and they want to support their artists because they know that they use Behance for a variety of things, including NFTs. So they want to embrace that with the Solana ecosystem. So good on Adobe. I, uh, I, I give them that there. And then this last one, and I, Jacob, I put this in here for you. So you've talked about Immutable X in the past. Well, Immutable raised $200 million in funding in their latest uh, evaluation, putting them at a $2.5 billion valuation for their company with, all, with more than $200 million raised in their latest uh, seed round. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. This follows uh, Gala Games raising $5 billion. Uh, I think they raised $5 billion. Maybe they hit a $5 billion dollar valuation. Um, but nonetheless, it's it's pretty much the same thing, right? I would say Immutable is less focused on music and other stuff. They're really, they're gaming focused. Yeah. Uh, they have a really good second layer, you know, second layer uh, and, you know, blockchain for Ethereum. Uh, they're building out GameStop's NFT marketplace. That was a big deal, actually. Um, so, you know, these guys are in a really good spot, actually, Immutable is. Uh, they have Gods Unchained. Gods Unchained was actually the first blockchain game I ever bought into. Uh, it's still going pretty well. Um, but, you know, these guys are good. You know, they, they know what they're doing. They, um, they have a really, really good product. Uh, you know, it's actually, we will likely host Gods Unchained tournaments in the future. They've been really backed up because of probably stuff like this and, and working with us more directly. But it's something we're certainly interested with, interested in. Um, I think this is awesome for blockchain gaming, right? It just says that people are believing in it. Uh, we're all moving forward, you know, and these guys are leading the way. It's a big deal. I thought we could uh, add it in there for kind of our last topic of today's podcast. We've had a lot of great conversations, and we appreciate all of you watching this video and listening in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. If you did like what we were doing here today, be sure to give us a, a subscribe. Follow us on the following music uh, applications that you are listening on right now, websites, that sort of thing. Give us a like. Uh, give us uh, you know a comment below on what you want to hear talked about next, what you want to see, that sort of thing, or even a future guest for the podcast. Uh, we, we do have a guest this week. Last week, sadly, uh, we did have a guest last minute. They canceled on us, so we uh, we decided to forego the podcast. But instead, if you hadn't seen it yet, I did a fantastic episode of Fast Crypto with Mark Thomas, our CEO. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, neither of us are, of which are the hosts for the Fast Crypto podcast. That falls on to John DeLay, our COO, but he was busy. So Mark recognized the talents of uh, the eSports podcast here and said, hey, Ryan, come on over. Let's do an interview. So 
We did that talking about the Zensportia white paper, which leaves me at this. Folks, we've got about two and a half, three weeks left for Zensportia, the Zensports NFT project, uh, building out the metaverse for athletes and gamers alike. It is and has been a fantastic uh, journey so far. Myself and Jacob have been deep diving in our Discord community and uh, other communities on other social platforms as well, making sure we get people signed up on our whitelist because we've just we've got so much going on on there that uh, really you're missing out. So be sure to head on over to zensportsia.com and uh, sign up for our whitelist because we just announced our Ethereum giveaway today. We are giving away 0.5 ETH to a lucky whitelist applicant, which means that in the next three days, anyone that's signed on the whitelist is automatically entered in to our uh, raffle or giveaway, should I say, for this ETH. It's incredible. And uh, yeah, that that's all I got. Awesome. Thank Sweet. you for your time, Ryan. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun as always. Yeah, thank you so much, Jacob. And thank you to all of you for watching today. Until next time, we out.